This episode hosts the thought-provoking Andrew Wilkinson. Andrew has spent many years within the marketing and business world, starting his journey from studying quantitative surveying at Leeds Beckett to becoming CEO of schools and universities at Sodexo. I really enjoyed this honest chat and it's filled with plenty of successful insights. Thank you for your, taking your time tonight. Let me come around and do this podcast with you. Appreciate the time. You're welcome. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Um, I guess let's dive straight in. Um, maybe just tell us a bit about your background and career from, say, the last 15, 20 years or so. Okay. Um, well, my name's Andrew Wilkinson. I was the CEO of schools and universities in a company called Sodexo, who were the world leader in providing quality of life services. So. I'm in between jobs at the moment, I think you call it. So having a little uh, career break and a couple of months out of um, business, which is great. Um, so trying to improve the golf handicap, you know, right now. So yeah, my career, I, I kind of, um, I'm from a working class background, you know, so I'm the grandson of a coal miner from Barnsley. You know, my father works in um, David Brown's gears on the shop floor. And um, university wasn't really kind of considered in my family you know so I suppose it was first generation um, and therefore it was you know after A levels get a job earn money um, and therefore started applying for different jobs had no real fixed view on what career I wanted to follow but ended up getting a great job with um, a private quantity surveying practice called Faithful and Gould and I ended up on secondment at ICI um, for about four years uh, working with the clients on site in their um, term maintenance office, measuring things like scaffolding that they would use for shutting down plants and refurbishing them, but then moving into their design office as a cost engineer. So that was a great kind of um, apprenticeship for me, if you like, because I did manage to do a degree part-time on day release, and I learned an awful lot at ICI um, about clients because I was sat in the client's office on a daily basis um, supply chains and managing supply chains um, also things like health and safety and quality management systems it was the first time BS5750 was being deployed and also um, email believe it or not um, ICI had a, a system called IQF intelligent query facility and it was one of the first email systems all on a you know um, a big macro computer but it was a great kind of start to my career so got me on the ladder if you like um, after four or five years with Faithful and Gould um, I needed to progress my career I wanted to become a chartered surveyor so I moved to John Molleman Company who were a, a building contractor back in the day eventually acquired by Carillion but I joined them in their consultancy division working with um, the Royal Engineers and RAF strike stations around the country, which again was a great education for me around client management, but also started my journey, I suppose, around people leadership and managing yeah. people, you know. So I found myself at the age of 28, you know, managing over 100 professionally qualified engineers and surveyors um, all over the country, which was a fantastic um, privilege, I suppose, for me, you know. So I've been blessed in my career to 
be given these opportunities mm. um, and to be able to grab them and turn them into a success. So four years later, after John Molan, I went back to Faithland Gould, who had since been bought by W.S. Atkins, which was a, a PLC, um, one of the biggest engineering companies, if not the biggest engineering company in the UK, with about 17,000 employees, around 1.2 billion turnover. So we set up an asset management business, which was looking after clients, properties and their assets. Um, so again, a great um, time for me, spent about 14 years there um, and built a successful business until we bumped into, um, and you look back in your career and you see these big milestones, you know, 2008 was the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had to do something about the sustainability of the business. And we were allowed by the CEO at the time, a guy called Keith Clark, to, to sell the business and take it to market. So we did, which was a brilliant experience of divesting of a business and sold it to Sodexo, who I then spent a, a really great decade with, which got me into kind of marketing strategy um, and really branched out my career from being a surveyor into other areas of business which was which was a fantastic opportunity so um yeah and, and worked for a global company traveled the world learned an awful lot and ended up running a business with six thousand hard-working colleagues delivering facilities management and food services to schools like eton um, and universities like university of greenwich which was just a, a fantastic privilege and opportunity for me Amazing. So a long, a long career. A long career. <laughs> yeah, a long thanks, time. Thanks, sir. You're making me feel <laughs> no, really no, no, old. no, no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, you mentioned obviously marketing. Did you said did you work in branding at one point as well? That was a big part of it. Yeah. So I kind of um, after after two years with um, Sodexo, I almost left Sodexo oh, really? actually because I thought I can't sit here and watch the business that I built that I've just sold um, be kind of broken up and. Um, then Sodexo wanted to do something else with it. So I looked outside of Sodexo and almost left, but was persuaded to stay in with some great advice from my coach, um, a, a brilliant lady called Anne Allen, who, um, who I kept in touch with and was a client at Lloyds Bank to start with. Anne gave me some really great advice. And she said, look, Andrew, you've kind of done operations. You've done leadership. If you can put strategy and marketing on top of that, you've got a really well-rounded CV. And it'll allow you to go for, you know, COO, CEO roles in the future. And it was, with hindsight, it was brilliant. It was brilliant advice. I decided to stay. We had a new leadership team in the corporate services business in Sodexo. And um, that opened the door really to, first of all, thinking about the strategic plan for that business and how we would grow that business. And then also, how would we go to market and what products and services did we need to be competitive and then after that, moving into the kind of new field for Sodexo of sales enablement. Okay. So how did we use digital marketing to really reach customers in a new way with content that was personalized for them, um, which again was a fantastic opportunity and allowed me to travel the world um, working in US and in uh, Asia Pac. So. Yeah, because the head office was in Paris. Yeah, Sodexo is yeah. a, a yeah. French business. Yeah. It was established in Marseille yeah. 52 years ago. Oh, you wow. know? So gr group headquarters is in Paris. Um, but yeah, the business operates in 
you know, 80 countries around the world. So, which gives you a brilliant platform to um, to operate within. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, talking about marketing, was there any, was there any like favorite aspect of it you enjoyed more? Because I suppose this podcast is, I suppose kind of leaning towards that marketing, you know, CEOs obviously yourself as well, but do you, was there any part of marketing that you enjoyed more, like the marketing side of business? Yeah, I think marketing, you know, is, is often misunderstood, isn't it? You know, it's not. Yeah. Um, about the, just necessarily the brand or the badges or events. It, marketing for me is about how do we help customers to buy services. Mm -hmm. And to start with, you need to have insights that help you understand what are the customer pain points. So that whole journey of going from insights, really trying to understand your target market, your target customer, what are their pain points, and then designing and developing products and services that would meet those needs and you know minimize those pain points um, or you know help with their gain points then that that really was what marketing for me was all about it was about how do you get really focused on the customer how do you develop products and services that meet a need yeah and there are too many people I think in marketing that perhaps just develop yeah. things for the sake of developing sales things. and yeah making money yeah. I suppose it's one yeah. of those isn't it it's interesting because I like like you said a few people have had on the podcast before they've it worked in you know marketing whether selling an actual product or mm. they're selling a service and I guess in your sense it's probably more when you say a service uh, so it's quite interesting to see the two kind of differences I mean they're very similar but they are different as well um, so it's super interesting um, you talked about university um, it was at Leeds Beckett you went to yeah yep. uh, same as me uh, yep. <laughs> good university good university um, study quantitative surveying yep. uh, do you believe this like that course impacted your future career is it to where you are now or do you think it was one of those where you wanted to do it at the time but then necessarily didn't go down that path yeah, I think it's a good question. I think I all, always described myself as a failed quantity surveyor you know, because I ended up fairly quickly getting into facilities management. So I suppose what the degree did, um, two or three things. One, it opened up a network. Yeah. And I, I established relationships at the age of 18 that I still enjoy and work with those people today, you know, um, and have helped me throughout my career. I think second of all it gives you the discipline of understanding how to learn yeah you know and it, it gave me access to new ways of learning networks collaboration with you know people like um, you know professors at University of Salford and it opened all kinds of doors you know I think there is a I think there's a big missing link between industry and academia if you like because there's some great ideas and work and research going on in academia but does it ever really connect to the real world yeah. you know does it ever reach a customer so i think university for me was a means to an end if you like yeah um i haven't used you know my standard method of measurement <laughs> for a while yeah. um, i may do in the future but uh, yeah it's uh, it, it opened up doors and it opened up new ways of thinking and learning in particular yeah, I think like you said, networking is one of the most important yeah. things. I mean, that's one of my later questions, but I suppose, yeah, networking, I suppose, is in general, is just good. But I think university does teach you that as well. Just, well, not obviously friends, but I suppose lecturers and people you work with, like yeah. placement. Um, do you think university and like success are linked? Do you think people who don't go to university would be like less, less successful than those who, say, chose an apprenticeship? Or do you think there's, that's just kind of a load of. Yeah, I think you know, <laughs> I, I, my business was schools and universities, so I spent a fair amount yeah. of time in the universities understanding 
those clients and working with them and trying to help create environments that attracted students into those um, environments and that helped students to you know fulfill their potential if you like so whether that was from the, the space that they were learning in or whether that was the kind of food and coffee that was available to help them in that learning process then yeah. you know universities are an important part of our society and I think we have a global brand with some amazing universities in the UK mm. that you know you see many many overseas students coming here to you know to to benefit from that privilege yeah um but you know I don't think you need to go to university to be successful no and I think one thing I did learn through um a strategy and marketing role at Sodexo was around you know startup businesses and I think there's a there's a whole new ecosystem there of businesses um that can start up you know from a very small idea and be something that's really really successful and I, I don't necessarily think you need to go to university to be able to do that I would encourage more and more young people to take the risk of trying something and if you're passionate about something have a go yeah you know I agree I always say to my kids you know if you're not bankrupt by the age of 21 <laughs> you, you probably fail fail at something yeah that's fair that's fair advice now I think you, you're right like as well people who you know, go to university and like they might drop out after one or two years yeah. and then make you know start and do a startup and then it becomes really successful but obviously they needed that year of university to realize maybe they didn't need that and to fail there to then go off and do something else so no it is it is an interesting one i think there's a lot of opinions around it especially at the moment with you know prices going up and student fees going up and it's just one of those things for I suppose from that i suppose the next generation of say kids but like students who are like worrying whether or not they you know choose between working or going to university and having all the backlash later on. Well, it's um, a big expense nowadays. Yeah, you know? it's, it's so, really expensive. <laughs> you know, do you get the return on investment? I think is a question that many young people are asking yes, now. Yeah. Um, and when I did my degree, you know, I did it part-time. I did it over five years, day release. And we worked alongside full-time students, you know. So there are a lot of benefits to that model as well. And I can see, um, you know, there's a big push now, isn't there, around apprenticeships. Yeah, no, um, it's a good thing there. It's definitely a good yeah. thing. But um, yeah, moving on to, I mean, you mentioned networking earlier, but do you think, so I do see you on it quite a bit of LinkedIn. Uh, do you think being on LinkedIn or having an online presence is an important thing, especially for someone in marketing or business or like a student, say? Do you think it's quite a good thing to essentially do uh, or be more active on it? Yeah, somebody, somebody gave me some great advice probably around 10 years ago, and it was kind of at the beginning of Twitter. And they said, Andrew, you know, the reason I'm on Twitter isn't around talking about what I'm doing, per se. It's about learning, you know. And I think there's a lot in that that says collaboration is so important in the 21st century, especially now as we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems like, you know, post-pandemic, net zero, you know, what's a new hybrid way of working. I think if you can't um, collaborate with other people and get ideas from all corners, then you're probably not going to have the answers to some of those big questions, yeah? So I think for me, social media has allowed me to have a voice, but more importantly, it's allowed me to use my ears and learn. Yeah. It's been a massive learning resource for me. Um, whether that's on uh, Twitter, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's on even on Facebook, you know, and it does allow communications with bigger groups of people, you know? and the sales enablement piece was all around how do we you know reach an audience through social media channels mm -hmm. with the right content and that's really important so that we could engage in you know a, a conversation and a better understanding of what the client needs were 
Um, yeah. So it's it's been yeah. It's, I, I think it's been great. It can be, you can become a slave to social media. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can become oh, yeah. addicted <laughs> to it, and I think that's quite damaging. Instagram, to some people, you know, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I haven't quite worked that out yet, but um, so you have to get the right balance. Yeah, balance. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, LinkedIn itself obviously has been great for me. I'm probably more addicted to that than I am Instagram or TikTok, just because I guess it's like, like you said, shared knowledge. Um, it's been great for you know getting interviews or just talking to people and just like especially like this podcast. Just you know, send yeah. someone a message he wouldn't normally message in. You know, you wouldn't stop him in the street. Uh, and it's quite a nice soft way of you know networking, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and again, that, I suppose that's my next question as well about relationship building and. I suppose you, I know the answer to this already, but do you think it's paramount in business just being good with people? Because um, I feel like you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you've got no people skills, you're gonna you're gonna struggle to open the doors, I suppose. Yeah, I, I went to um, Cranfield uh, around about what 15 years ago now it would be, mm. so I'd be probably what mid mid thirties. And um, first night at Cranfield, I'll never forget. I'm stood there with a Lloyd's of London insurance broker. And a um, and a, a Catholic priest, if you like, um, drinking wine. Both of them were smoking, and having just an amazing conversation. You know, and I stood there thinking, "Wow, what a diverse group of people this is." And I met a guy there, uh, Richard Fisher. I'll call him out. And Richard gave me some great advice. And he said to me, and I was probably I don't know, maybe a little bit uh, typical Yorkshireman. You know, quite direct. Yeah. Um, forthcoming with my views maybe um, a little bit less emotionally intelligent than I should have been at the time and Richard said you know he said look Andrew he said you know people feel first and they think second and people will always remember how you made them feel and it, and it was great advice for me because he'd always say just think about when you're speaking you know how are you going to make somebody feel before you make them think and it kind of led me on to you know understanding a little bit better people like Simon Sinek um, and starting with why and, and really sort of thinking about what is it that motivates people yeah and therefore I think you know relationships have become critical to me mm. um, because you can't deliver anything on your own you have to um, believe in teams and you have to work with people better than you and find talent that will you know deliver things and great things and there's nothing better I think for me than seeing people fulfill their potential you know that breaking their own kind of glass ceilings and barriers to progressing in what whatever their career needs to be you know so um i think it was napoleon bonaparte wasn't it said a leader is a dealer in hope and i think if you give people hope and you give them a purpose you can achieve anything you know and was it stephen covey who said you know trust is the highest form of motivation so if you can build trust with people and build that's based on a relationship you can build great teams and, and you can do anything yeah no, i'm I a strong believer in that i think um yeah you've hit the nail on the head there i think uh, yeah lecturers and people i went to university with they you know they always said like get on linkedin get good at networking because yeah. you know people people building on that like relationship building is paramount um yeah. not just because not just for making friends but i suppose just being wherever your next job is or being involved in a good culture um and i think it's super important um but yeah especially for like people in marketing as well i think 
some jobs lend itself to a bit more. You know, you can be, yeah. I don't, don't want to bad mouth any careers, <laughs> like an account, like you be an account or, you know, work in an office where you, I suppose you'd have to have amazing people skills to get the job done. But I think especially for, you know, my friends who went to university within marketing and branding, you have to be good and you have to sell, almost sell an idea because if you, people aren't going to believe in the idea or believe in you, that's the way around. I suppose if people aren't going to believe in you, they're not going to believe in your idea or what you're trying to sell. Um, so I think it is important, especially for marketing. Um, but there's some good points there as well. Um, these, I suppose these next questions are for, more for me. Um, and I think I've asked a couple of the other guests and they're quite random. But do you, books, do you read any books? Are you interested in any like business books yourself or are you quite more of a, like, I wouldn't say podcast person or, or you're just not into No, I think, um, I think I can show you afterwards. I've got a, yeah, library, of a library through there oh, full, yeah, full of business books. Yeah? <laughs> How many of them I've read or not is, is another matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I, I I love reading books when I get the time, mm -hmm. but I'm also open to new kind of learning resources. You know, I find YouTube a, fa a fabulous yes. resource. Yes, yeah. Um, it's becoming much better quality content on there. I subscribe to Harvard Business Review. Again, they have some great resources there. Um, so I think, you know, you need a diverse um, kind of library of resources that you can turn to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, one of the best business books that I would recommend is Good to Great by okay. Jim Collins. Uh, fantastic uh, book that had a real long-lasting impression on me which talks about what what makes the best com you know companies in the world those that are highest performing so have a look at that sometime sim yeah, it's been no, around I, a few years now but it still stands the test no, of time no, i think it's good i need uh, i need some more i need my next <laughs> my next month free to be honest so i go through them too quick and a then, uh, bit less instagram sim yeah. <laughs> yeah i can't get off it's uh, i've tried to stop myself from downloading tiktok and i can't finally succumb to it this week and i think that's gonna be my next downfall um that's interesting no that's good to know um i guess this next question is probably the most important question how would you define success like what would your definition be of it it's quite hard or i know but well i think probably back in the 80s when i started my career you know the definition of success was earning as much money as you yeah. possibly could yeah? <laughs> yeah. and i think business has changed and yeah. society is changing for the better mm -hmm. um so you know success now has to be around not just fiscal rewards or profit but there is a big part of success now in business around social value. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think there are two different answers to that question. One is around what is personal success. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that was about, you know, making a difference, mm -hmm. about giving back, about helping other people, about being the best version of myself, about continuously learning and developing, you know, never settling for second best, if you like. But that, you know, your version of success in to mine will be totally different at your stage of life as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think in terms of organisations now, you know, you see um, the growth of, you know, not-for-profit companies. Um, you see many um, PLCs taking a much more responsible attitude to business ever since the kind of growth of corporate social responsibility. Yes, yeah. You know, and I was back at Atkins where we had a great CEO there, a guy called Keith Clark, who really drove CSR into the business. And I was one of a small project team who were tasked with, you know, going and presenting to the board what should WS Atkins do about CSR. And that was right back in the early days. That would have been, what, I don't know, 20 years ago mm -hmm. now. And look at it now, where we are. So... I think there's a lot of opportunity for measuring social value, the impact that we have on communities, on people in those communities, 
um, the impact that we have on the planet, you know, the big net zero agenda that yes, we have. There are many different ways that companies um, can define success today. So I think it's, it's important that people think about that um, because it's going to become more and more important to um, not just attracting customers, mm -hmm. but also employees. Yes, yeah. No, that's a good answer. I think, like you said as well, people's depending on life stages, I suppose it'll yeah. determine uh, where you are. I think everyone's answer is always a little a little different. Uh, I think if you ask like a 17 year old, they're going to say, you know, Lamborghini. Yeah, if you ask yeah, someone yeah. in like 40s or 50s, they're going to probably say, you know, being unhappy and content and, you know, making a difference with my job. Um, because obviously, I think, well, this is maturity, isn't it? I suppose as well. Um, there's nothing wrong with having nice things or wanting like a nice cars and stuff. Um, I mean, I'm still, you know, trying to find out that Tesla, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those as well. I think you have to enjoy what you do. Um, you have to, make, you know, know you're making a difference as well. Yeah. Super important. Um, I, I couldn't even get in the Lamborghini nowadays. <laughs> so, well, um, this is the thing with sports it. cars, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to get into. I mean, yeah, but like I suppose, like a nice Tesla again, corporate social responsibility, yeah, yeah. you know, electric cars. So. I think you do raise a really good point, though, an mm. interesting point about different generations you yes. know i think it's a big challenge for um employees today you know i remember working with one of the big four um accountancy firms consultancy firms you know who said look how can you help us create a workplace that really gets these tribes if you like working and collaborating yeah. together you know because you've got young people with a completely different attitude wanting to you know maybe play on the table tennis tables stereotyping <laughs> um and you know the, the the baby boomers like me perhaps you know wanting to have a bit of peace and quiet and reflection time yeah. so you know i think that's a big challenge for um, employees today as to how do they get the best out of the different generations that they have in the workforce to be able to come up with the best solutions yeah no i do agree it is, it is a challenge and i think we're getting there Slowly with, um, you know, different workplaces and I think cultures, I was going to ask actually, it's not one of my questions, but culture, do you think that's very, I mean, I suppose it is very important, but would you probably maybe say that or recognise that as one of the most important aspects of the business or almost the key to just a successful business as uh, well? No, it's critical. You yeah. know, what, what's the saying? Culture eats strategy for yes. breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's true. Yeah. I think um, you can have the best strategic plan in the world, but if you don't have the right culture, and the right people in the organization you're never going to deliver it so you have to start with culture it goes back to the simon cynic thing you know it starts with why what is our purpose how do you motivate people to kind of give their best mm -hmm. you know to get out of bed on the morning and come to work and bring 100 percent of their superpower whatever that might be um and i often ask the question you know if we disappeared tomorrow would anyone notice or even care mm. yeah so you, you you have to start with culture and get people really working together under a defined set of values and behaviours that means that people feel, going back to kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, they feel um, safe and secure yeah. in that environment, that they will um, share their thoughts and their ideas and their opinions. And that's where you get, you know, the diversity of thinking across generations and genders and you know, sexual orientation, whatever it might be, it's about those diverse ideas um, and people working together, you know, under one culture. And you can see, you can see it in sports teams, but you can see it easily in business where yeah. successful businesses have got a great culture, a can-do attitude and poor businesses, you know, um, yeah. it tends to be the culture that's broken, you yeah. know? No, it's true. I think, um, yeah, like, especially with just... 
yeah, you said before, it's like a generational thing, but I suppose as well, you know, some businesses have it and some some don't. And you know, the ones who do have it, like down to the T, are the ones, you know, who are successful. And I suppose you said earlier about, you know, getting out, I've used that before, like getting out your purpose for getting out of bed in the morning and what is it? Yep. I think if you'd, you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, maybe you're not in the right place. Um, but I suppose it's easier said than done, you know, people aren't just going to leave the jobs every six months because they're, they're having a bad day but it's one of those isn't it? it's one to think about um, you I mean you spoke about this right at the start you had the title of CEO um, what was your favourite part of being a CEO what was your favourite aspect of it I know it's a bit of a weird question but what was your like Ooh, you can say anything you want I know it's a bit of a I weird don't, I don't think there was a favourite part <laughs> I think you know it's a, it's a massive responsibility yes. you yeah. know I was responsible for 6,000 people getting up out of bed every morning and making sure that they went to work and they went home safely. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, it was about the health and safety of those individuals and those teams. Uh, and that's a massive responsibility, you know, that can cause you sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. um, and in a business that's operating in food services, uh, feeding kids, you know, you've got Natasha's Law now that started um, this week. Uh, you've got risk around allergens, around poisoning people, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's a big worry. But the best thing around leadership is when you get people really performing at their best and enjoying and loving what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. When you can see people are driving the strategy and they're delivering it without you telling them, you're just simply supporting people, you're encouraging them, you're cheerleading, and you're able to see them push on and deliver the deliver whatever the job needs to be done um, with a lot of gusto and with enthusiasm mm. um, and and get a lot of pleasure out of it you know there's no better feeling than seeing teams and businesses um, really want to deliver great service yeah for me I was gonna say it's a lot of responsibility <laughs> a lot of responsibility is, yeah. but you know you can enjoy it and um, and that's a great feeling I suppose it's good having a good team underneath you as well because I suppose it's one of those where you are the CEO but then you've got people see the CEO and they think oh he does all this stuff and you've got an amazing team underneath you to help you to, you know, to achieve those amazing things and like you said earlier I think was it 6,000, 7,000 employees? 6,000 Yeah people, a lot yeah. of people um, so yeah I suppose it's, and again that comes up to culture having a good culture as well and trust Yeah people judge you by the company that you keep you know yeah. so um, people and talent management and developing people and, and taking risks with people and Promoting them is, you know, is is one of the parts of the job that which is, um, you know, both high risk but it's great reward. Yeah, when yeah. you make it work. It's interesting to be fair. Um, I've asked this question before uh, to a previous guest, but millennials and Gen the Gen Z generation, um, do you think they have it easier or harder than say when you were eighteen to twenty one? You mean, you mean the snowflakes? <laughs> yeah, the snow so, like the snowflake generation. The <laughs> I don't know if I'm in that category. Which <laughs> I don't is, know if I should be offended. <laughs> which I, I think is a really offensive term. You yeah. know, I think, look, I think every generation has its challenges yeah. and its um, problems, you know. I think when I was 18, mobile phones were only just coming out. Um, we were using email, but not to the extent that we're using it today. Mm -hmm. There was no social media, um, hardly at all. Um and so, look, I compare my kind of where I was at the age of 18 to where my son has been at the age of 18. And mm. you just think, wow, it's a completely different world. Yeah. Um, you are inundated with technology. Uh, you're inundated with demands for your time. You know, social media expectations are massive. 
Um, the the world just works in a completely different way. It's a much faster pace. Mm. Um, the the demands are instantaneous. You know, people want to know where you are uh, and why you've not responded to their latest message within nanoseconds. You know, I think it, it's a difficult time, isn't it? And and yeah. news um, is available now. You know, when I was kind of eighteen, there were what maybe four channels on television. Yeah. Now you look at the myriad of TV channels, but also internet, mm-hmm. um, and those news pages and those that that content is produced, and sometimes it's not all good news. No, you know, no. so it can make the we the world feel a much more unsafe place. Yeah, it's connected generation, I suppose. Yeah, and that, and that's why I think we see the rise in you know anxiety and mental health issues. Yeah. That I really feel sorry for young people having to deal with an awful lot of that, and I can see maybe some of the root causes there now that perhaps didn't exist when I was at that age. Yeah, no, 100% it's you know, down to that bigger element of it. And, uh, you know, there's lots of research around it and um, how, you know, social media and like the pressure. Because I mean, I feel it. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, the wrong side of 20. So. <laughs> and even I, even I feel it so sometimes. So no, it is interesting. I suppose as well, it's changed the dynamic of like work as well. You know, you see these... 17, 18 year olds who are like TikTok influencers yeah. in the, you know, they're earning more than someone who's in the 60s and they've been working their whole lives and, you know, they've got an app for a couple of weeks and they've posted a picture of them dancing or a video. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's it's just one of those, I mean, I still struggle to understand TikTok, but it's one of those, and I still, I still speak to my friends who, you know, they've had it for more since it came out and I still quite confused by it and how yeah. people make, how, how are they making money off dancing or in a house? I just don't understand it. Uh, but I mean, you know, each their own. And I think if people can do that and they have a skill which doesn't involve them having to go to an office every day, uh, I, you know, it's great. Um, and I think everyone's just got their own little path to follow. And I think, I suppose with Instagram as well, I think Instagram's stepping away from it a little bit with, you know, influencers and stuff, but it is, it is interesting to see the development because I think even, I mean, when I first, got a phone I was, must have been what 13 I think Twitter just just come out it was yeah. like Snapchat Twitter phase yeah. but it was Instagram now it's, uh, now it's TikTok so I wonder what the next thing will be but I'll stick to LinkedIn yeah, we'll, we'll keep moving that's for sure that's, yeah, 100%. there's nothing more certain than that yeah um, what would some advice be you'd give to say an early adopter into business say like a 21 year old just left university um he's done a marketing course um and he asks you you know if some for some advice basically what what would you be like your couple pieces of advice to him are you asking for a friend uh, yeah <laughs> asking for myself <laughs> <laughs> should i should die you're asking for a friend asking for a friend okay i think you know i think so, some advice would be um you know marketing has well it's changed dramatically over yeah. the last sort of 50 years um, but the purpose is still the same. How do you help people to buy products yeah. and services? Yeah. Um, so I think the advice that I would give is, you know, you're born with two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. You know, listen and learn, mm-hmm. and continuously learn. Think about how you will learn, um, and what resources you can tap into to help you learn. Think about. I think we've covered it a little bit already. You know, around relationships and ne- mm-hmm. networks. Um, who are the people that you can learn from? Um, and, but also over time you know find your own voice what is it that you love what is it that you enjoy it could be you could be interested in data you could be interested in more creativity um, you could be interested in brand you could be interested in product development there are many many different aspects of marketing I think it's a real wide church mm-hmm. um, and therefore you know take your time really to to play 
you know, to have fun and to find what is it that really kind of um, makes you have the butterflies in your stomach when you get out of bed on the morning. Yeah. yeah? And then follow that passionately and believe in yourself and um, always say yes. Don't send out any opportunity to have a go. You know, I'm not a qualified marketeer, but I ended up, you know, in a big global organization leading a, you know, piece of digital marketing um, that was targeting pharmaceutical clients in North America and Asia Pacific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with a team of only a small team of six at the time based in uh, UK, NORAM and um, Asia Pacific. So, you know, great experience. Yeah, that's a nice one takes. I'll take some of that for myself. Uh, no, no, it's good. Um, I do agree with those points. I think uh, I think Jez uh, Dale on the first podcast he said about you know just doing something you're passionate about. I think that's what his piece of advice was um, because if you're not passionate about it, what's the point? Is life's too short to be doing a job you don't enjoy? And I know it's easier said than done sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think especially if you're 21 as well, you've kind of before you you know it's always people have that saying it's easier to. Uh, get a job when you've already got one I do agree with that but I also think if you're just left university you've got the whole you know the whole world to choose so I think it's always a bit harder when you've you know, bought a house and you've got yeah. kids and stuff you can't just up and yeah. leave to, to find your passion but um, you can take risks yeah. at your age you know you've yes, got nothing to lose yeah. really that's the thing yeah. my, my other advice would be just take your time yeah. you know, relax just um, your career never goes in a straight line mine no. hasn't and um just take your time to find what is it that really um, you really enjoy and love and if you're doing a job that you love you're never going to work a day in your life yeah no, that's good same, <laughs> so my mum's always telling me to slow down she's right yeah, she still haven't got her 26 and we'll always still learning <laughs> she's got good advice she's got the best advice um, couple last questions uh, what's next for you what's your next venture or have you got something on the horizon yeah, well, I'm just enjoying a bit of time out at the moment, decoupling from Sodexo. You know, I've kind of had 21 years mm-hmm. continuous service there. Yeah. Um, so I had a great career with Sodexo, but, you know, leaving a big organization, um, improving my golf handicap right now, <laughs> yeah. um, trying to get physically fit and, and, and you know, just um, sort out some of the kind of personal ad, uh, administration stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I've got a few opportunities in front of me mm-hmm. I think uh, one in particular that I'll, uh, I'll probably be pursuing and um, having a change soon, yeah. to be honest mm-hmm. you know changing um, from doing what I've done for much of my career in facilities management and food services and having a having a go at a different challenge yeah. you know um, if you're not learning then you're not growing and if uh, if I can learn something else and take on a fresh challenge that would be really great you know, my yeah. stage of uh, my career. So looking forward to it. That's nice to hear. I think it's always good to have some downtime as well. Yeah. Downtime as well. You know, you can't always, uh, I mean, you suppose you have the weekend sometimes, but it's always nice to take a bit of a break, especially if you're, you know, changing whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, final question. Um, it's a question I'm going to ask all guests. And if you've already listened, I know you've already listened to some of the podcasts, so you probably know what I'm going to ask. Um, you're walking down the street, uh, your 10 year old self comes running towards you. Um, and he's asking you all these things he's super excited but you can only tell him one thing uh, one thing only what would it be that's a great question I wish I'd listened to the podcast the, <laughs> so listen to the end, end. <laughs> no, one get, no one gets to the end of them <laughs> um, yeah I, th- I think look the best advice I think is um, it's, it's all about people mm-hmm. yeah? yeah whether that's 
um, family it starts with, whether it's friends or whether it's people that you work with. Yeah, I think I'm a big believer in servant leadership. You know, I've read um, a few of the Ken Blanchard books, going back to reading books. And I think for me, it's about if I can support other people to fulfill their potential, then, you know, leaving a positive mark on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about people. It's all about relationships, all about networks. So just have the confidence to go out there and to talk to people mm-hmm. because people will always be happy to talk and share their stories and give you help. Yeah, I haven't met anybody yet that doesn't want to help another human being in their career. Mm. So I think, you know, just having the confidence to do that and to, to remain really curious, yeah. you know, ask lots of questions, um, take on a really proactive um, attitude to learning and um, and you'll you'll do well, you know. That's always been my mantra. It's very good advice. And uh, I really appreciate you taking your Friday evening to do this podcast. It's a very nice chat. Amazing. Lovely to see you, Sim. And all the best. Thank you very much. Take it easy.